Hey, it's Cody Woodard, and this is our podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope this message encourages you and helps you see that God wants to do something new in and through your life. Enjoy the message. Wow, what an incredible time lifting up the name of Jesus and I'm so honored that you would spend some time with us today. Uh, I want to just welcome all of our first time guests in the room. Come on, if you call Renovation Church home, will you just say hello to the guests in the room today? Well, you came on a good day. If you haven't been here in a little bit, maybe you've been on vacation, maybe it's your first time checking us out, but um, today is Vision Sunday. And uh, what that means is that today I'm going to share a little bit about who we are as a church and what we believe and why we do what we do and where we're going in the future. The book of Proverbs tells us that without vision, people perish uh, or without revelation, people cast off restraint. And what that means is that you and I got to have a vision for our life. It means we got to have a vision that's bigger than ourselves. It's got to be the vision that God has given us. What it means is that our church needs a vision. Because without vision, people won't worship what they were created to worship. They'll worship creation. And when you don't worship who you were created to worship, Scripture says that you perish. When this church doesn't have a vision from God, it begins to perish. And and if you're new here, here's the vision of our church. We make it really simple and easy for you to know and learn. Our, our, Our vision for your life is to help you follow Jesus and find community and discover your purpose so that together we can make a difference. Amen? Amen. That's why we're here. That's what we do. And uh, what I want to do today is I want to take a look at a passage where that vision statement came from and uh, give us an idea of what the church is and who it's for and why we do what we do. And so if you will, if you're ready for the word of God, uh, somebody shout, I'm ready. Ready. Oh, come on now. Y'all in in here today. Acts chapter two. This may be a familiar passage for some of you. Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 42. Here's what the Word of God says. It says, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. All the believers met together in one place. Say one place. In one place and shared everything. Say everything. Say everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. The very word of God, amen. Hey, today I wanna preach from you to the title, whatever it takes. And so. Um, everybody knows that you got to have notes to get to heaven. So take some notes today. Uh, and you can write down the title, whatever it takes. Can I pray for you? Father, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for moving in this place. Thank you for showing up in this house. But God, we know that we know that you're not just confined to a building. You're not just confined to one space. God, that you will meet people and you will turn a living room into a sanctuary. God, you will turn the place of our greatest pain to the place of great praise. God, you'll show up where we feel like you would never go. But God, we ask that right here in this moment that you would show up in this room, that your spirit would fall, that there would be a fresh wind blow, that you would give us fresh perspective and fresh vision for our lives as we kick off this new school year. And God, I just ask that today you would do the work only you can do. Heal who you need to heal. 
save who you need to save. But may we all leave different than we walked in. And God, I just lift up right now every parent, every kid, and every teacher as they start school this week. God, go before them. Bless them. May your favor be upon them. May they not just learn information that helps them in this world, but God, may you form them together and make them a community unified so that we can help change this world. God, we love you so much. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody who believed it said, come on, church, everybody said, hey, say hi to somebody next to you. Tell them they look good today. Tell them they look good today. Welcome to church. Mm. Hey, Matthew chapter... Matthew chapter 16, Jesus says that he is building his church. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The church is the only thing that Jesus says that he is building. Jesus is building his church. The church is not a building, but Jesus is building his church. And so here, here's the question. Um, what is church? Because see, for many of us, I think we've been given this idea, maybe this picture, maybe you've had some experiences growing up, and we all have this perception and maybe this idea of what church is. But in order for us to kind of unpack what church is, I want to start with what church is not. Church is not just a cultural experience. Ch church is not just a place you come to escape your problems on Sunday. Church is not just a place... Uh, for you to leave all the drama at the door. Church is not just a place where you come and have spiritual hour. More importantly, church is not about you. Church is about God. And I think that's an important place for us to start because over time what has happened is that many of us have based our, our idea of church or we've selected churches or we've been a part of a church um, based upon our preferences. And the problem with making decisions around your preference is that we all have a different preference. For some of you, you would want us to sing 15 worship songs for two and a half hours. You don't even need a word. Come on, somebody. For others of you, you're like, skip the music, preacher. Get to the word of God. Come on. Don't, I don't want to care about none of them stories. If I want to hear about a story, I'll read a book. Get to the point, preacher. You're right? But we all have these different preferences on how what we would like um, church to be like. And so for some of you, I'll hear people be like, oh man, they didn't, they didn't sing my song today. And I just want to say, you know what? Excuse me, ma'am. I hope we never sing your song because the song ain't about you. Come on, somebody. Right? It's not about our preference. It's not about just what we want. The reason we're here is because we want to gather under the name of Jesus and make him known. We want to praise him for who he is and what he's done and what we believe he's going to do. But church is not just a cultural experience. Church is not just a place you come to escape drama. And church is not about you. So then what is the church? Well, church, the word, comes from the Greek word ekklesia, or some pronounce it ecclesia. And what it means is the gathering. The word church literally means the gathering. What it's talking about is not just a fan club. It's not talking about a gathering as in a stadium. It's talking about the church is the gathering of the people to God in one place to worship God. So the church is a gathering of people called out from their homes, called out from behind their laptops, called out from behind podcasts, and they come together in one place and worship the God that they love. This is the church. 
Now, you and I are a part of the church. If you're in Christ, you are considered a member or a part of the church, but we don't become the church until we gather. And I think for some of us, we'll say things like, oh, yeah, 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 well, I don't really, you know, I don't need church. I don't don't need to go to church. And yes, of course, you don't need to go to church in order to be saved. And I need to say this because we're in the South. Just because you go to church doesn't mean that you're saved. But maybe you don't need church in order to be saved. Um, But, you know, a zebra can leave the herd but still get attacked by lions. You're still a zebra. Right? Like, you may not need to be in this place in order to get to heaven, but you do need to be a part of the church gathering with other believers if you, if you don't want the enemy to take you out. Because there's power in the gathering, and it's easy, y'all, to, it's easy to be a church critic. It's easy to stand at a distance and throw rocks at the church because it's broken and it's ugly and it's messed up. By the way, do you know why it's broken, ugly, and messed up? Because it's filled with people like you. But I've just refused to be a church critic. I've refused to be a church cynic. I've refused. I've committed my life to being a church builder because Jesus is building his church. I I would rather be a chef than a food critic. I I would rather be a professional athlete than a sports analyst. And I would rather be a church builder than be a church cynic. And it's easy. I've experienced the same pain many of you have experienced with this idea of the church, where you've been hurt before, where you went into a place and you didn't feel welcomed, you didn't feel loved, you didn't feel cared for, and it could have easily become my story to walk away from the church and be cynical and be hateful towards the church, but I just believe that God has called me and you to us to something higher and to be a part of what Jesus is building because what he is building is beautiful. What he is building is bigger than himself, bigger than you and I. God's church is his plan A to reach the world. There is no plan B. And so if you're a believer, being a part of the church is you collectively coming together and saying, Jesus, I want to be a part of the one thing that you say you are building. And I know for many of us, we could have easily walked away from the church. But I guess part of my question is, how did it get here? How did the church get such a bad reputation? How how did some of you get so hurt by the church that even coming here today took everything in you? That you have this pressing inside of you to want to get involved, but the last time you got involved, you felt uncared for. How did the church get so far from the reason it was actually started? Well, it didn't start with the church in America. It wasn't like the church was just healthy and then boom, America happened and the church got unhealthy. In fact, what you see is when this first century church was started in Acts, if you were to continue to read, you would then find yourself at the last book of the Bible, a book called Revelation. And in Revelation, Jesus actually addresses a problem that has formed within the church over this short period of time. And here's what Jesus says to the church in Ephesus. This is really interesting to me. I think it'll be helpful for you. Um, He says this in Revelation 2. He says, I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, and that you've tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and have found them false. You've persevered and endured hardships for my name, and have not grown weary, but I have this complaint against you. 
You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you've fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. If you don't turn back, if you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. See, what has happened over time and what happens in the church today is that when it first started, the gathering was founded around the resurrection of Jesus, was founded around that God who is rich in mercy loved you and I so much so that he became a man, walked a perfect life, died the death that we deserved, conquered sin, hell, and the grave, resurrected. Why? Because he loves you and he loves me. So the church early on was known by what it was for, who it was for. Four, and what's happened over time and what Jesus is getting to is that at one time you were known for your love. At one time you were known for who you're for, but now you have become known for far more by who you are against. And when what we hate is greater than what we love, our souls are in trouble. That Jesus, he, he says that there are two foundations that the church is built on. He says, I want you to go back. I want you to turn back. Somebody say, turn back. Turn back to your first love, he says, and your first work. What's he talking about? Well, what Jesus is saying and what the word is for you and I, especially for those of us who have been in church for a little bit, and we've started to believe the lie that church exists for us. It exists for our preference, what we want. We believe the lie of culture that like white people go to church over here and black people church go to church over here and Hispanic people go to church over here. Instead of believing that lie, which is a lie from hell, he says that you and I are to build the church. Our lives are to be centered around loving God and loving God's people. And loving God never leads to hating people. And what happened in the church was that they got so good at judging everybody. They got so good at setting their rules. They got so good at what they knew, but they didn't apply what they knew because it didn't lead to love. Now, when I say love, I'm not talking cultural definition of love. I'm not talking the kind of love where it's just, I I love it and I do whatever I want and whoever I want, come on somebody, and, and whatever I feel... That's not love. The love that Jesus is referring to is a love that is holy, that is a love that is set apart, that is patient, that is kind, that does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It's an unconditional love that we love people the way God loved us. And so what's happened is is the church, the very place that God, the people that God has established to reflect his love to his people has become so internally focused and consumed with their own preference that they judge people by what they know compared to what they know. That this place that at one time was so welcoming to non-believers, welcoming to people who were questioning, welcoming to people who had doubts, but loved them and loved each other in such a way that those people felt accepted and welcomed and wanted to be a part of what God is doing. The church has shifted from who it was for to who it was against. And what Jesus says is that we have to turn back to our first love. And if we don't, he will remove the light within the church. What he's saying is, I will remove your influence. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to just be 
a church on the corner that gathers in a building on Sunday morning but doesn't have the influence of God because without the Spirit of God, things die. Without the Spirit of God in this church, without the Spirit of God in your life, without the Spirit of God in your marriage, things begin to die. Without vision, people perish. I want to be a church that's rooted in love. I want to be a church that is known by what we're for and who we're for, not just by what we're against. That's why I say every week, this is a church you can belong before you believe. Do you know where I got that, by the way? Acts chapter 2. Because it wasn't just a holy gathering of believers. Now, don't get me wrong. It says all the believers devoted. Church, first and foremost, is for the believer. But we are to gather in such a way that people who aren't believers love what's happening in this room so much, experience the spirit of God because there's prayer, there's worship, there's service, there's encouragement, there's love, there's joy that they actually want to be a part of it. And so that's why we say you can belong before you believe. You don't have to have all this figured out. You can come in, you can serve on a team, you can sit on the front row, and you don't have to have a clue of what the heck is going on. But we want to love you and serve you in such a way where you go, you know, this is more than corporate karaoke. There's something special about this place. We don't just sing some songs because we feel like having a concert at 9 a.m. And so here's what I want to do. He says to turn back to your first love and your first work. I remember when I first gave my life to Christ, when I first surrendered my life to Jesus in college. And I remember that fire that was in my belly that I just wanted to love people. That for so long in my life, I have fallen into the trap and seen the church in its unhealthiness make it about rules and regulations and what you can wear and who can speak and who can't speak and if you can raise your hands, if you can clap, if you can shout me down, whatever it may be. And, and, and I remember when I just understood the grace of God for the first time, that there was nothing I could do to earn his love And the good news was I didn't have to. And I believed that lie for so long that I thought I had to do a bunch of good stuff, obey the Ten Commandments, and try hard and try harder. And the problem is, is that you cannot become perfect. You you will never be good enough. But the good news is, is you don't have to because Jesus was. And I just remember a love that happened where I just wanted to tell every single person I knew. So much so I would start Bible studies and I didn't even have a Bible. I didn't even know scripture, but I would start Bible studies and I would just start telling them what God did in my life. And as crazy as that sound and as many verses that I butchered, God used it and I ended up leading multiple friends to Jesus. Why? Because I just wanted people to love God the way God loved me. So Jesus is saying, do you remember? Do you remember what happened when you first gave your life to Christ before it got all political and before it got all you know, informational and just religious, before you experienced all the church hurt, before you got burned, why don't you go back to that? And, and let me just say this to those of you, um, watch this. If you've been hurt by a church, lift your hand. Right. Can I just speak a word to you? Don't let the mistake or the pain from last season define this one. We've all been hurt for the church, by the church. And I'll just say this from the bottom of my heart. Um, the three most powerful words that I've known in my marriage, I am sorry. I'm sorry that you've been hurt. I'm sorry you've been rejected. I'm sorry the church wasn't a place for you. I'm sorry you were judged. I'm sorry you were given the side eye. 
I'm sorry you were taken advantage of. I'm sorry you've had to see scandals. I'm sorry you've had to see affairs. I'm sorry you've had to see churches mishandle money. But don't allow the brokenness and the mistakes of some people keep you from being a part of what God wants to do in the future. And so what I want to do is look back at Acts chapter 2 when the church is at its healthiest and as it begins and it's founded and rooted on the resurrection of Jesus. When it was simple. Maybe we need to get back to simple church. And so here's what it says in verse 42. Acts chapter 2 verse 42. It says this. It says, all the believers devoted. Somebody say devoted. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to sharing in meals, and to prayer. Write this down. Be devoted. Be devoted. Be devoted. But here's what I came to tell you. Devotion is not a one-time decision. Devotion is a daily discipline. Be devoted to God. That's number one. You have to start with being devoted to God. You'll never be devoted to his church or to his people until you first have been devoted to him. And so today, if you don't know Jesus and you're here and you're going, hey, I'm just checking this thing out, I'm bringing you into an inside conversation that I have with our church about twice a year. You're getting to go, okay, what is this church really about? This is it. But just please understand that until, you're de- until you get devoted to God, you're not going to be devoted to doing what God has called you to do. You'll never live the life God created you to live apart from God. You will never have peace until God is your priority. And the truth is about me and the truth is about you that I know about us and what I've learned is that we're all broken, that I'm sinful, that I'm jacked up, that I say things I shouldn't say, think things I shouldn't think, that I've I've rejected God, I've walked away from him, I've questioned him, my faith hasn't been as strong. But the good news was that even in my doubt, even in my sin, he loved me so much that he would go to the cross to set me free. And the truth is about you is you don't have to have it all figured out. This church is not going to tell you a bunch of rules you got to do, ways you have to belong. All I'm trying to help you understand is that until God is your priority, you will never experience his peace, the peace that surpasses understanding. See, you and I, we were all created to worship. And the truth is, is you worship something. And until your soul finds its home, Just as you have a home, your soul has a home. Until your soul finds its home in the one that created it, your soul will always be worried. You will always search. You will always look for something more. And I'm just trying to save you a lot of time. If you don't want to listen to me, do your thing. But I promise you, until your soul is at peace with your creator, with Jesus, you will not have peace. You will not be fulfilled and you'll live your life searching and never live out what God has called you to live out says all the believers were devoted. Devoted to what? It says the apostles' teaching. This is why we talk about this all the time. Um, Leaders are learners. And the moment you stop learning is the moment you start dying. And the moment you start dying, you're in trouble. But leaders are learners. What do they devote themselves to? They were disciplined to being learners. That's why I make jokes about taking notes. They were devoted to going, you know what? I don't have it all figured out. I need to learn more. Maybe that was the problem in Revelation 2. Maybe that's the problem in today's church is they think they know it all. That, oh, I don't have anything more to learn. I've heard this before. I want something deep. Oh, preacher, I've heard the gospel. I want something deep. Hmm, deep. Do you mean deep as in so deep that you don't understand it, therefore you don't have to apply it deep? It don't get deeper than the gospel, friends. And, and so 
Maybe we need to have a spirit to go, you know what? I don't have it all figured out. See, a learner isn't just informational. A learner, it's application. It's, it's applicable. Learning is not informational only. It's also applicationable. Like, you have to apply this to your life. It's why James 1 says, don't just be a hearer of the word, but be a doer of the word. So it's one thing to consume information, but if you never apply it, it's wasted. So they were devoted to being learners. What else they were devoted to? They were devoted to learning. They were also devoted to the apostles' teaching. They were devoted to fellowship. They were devoted to each other. They were devoted to doing life together for for community. And they committed themselves to spending time together. I used to say this all the time to youth. Hey, listen, you got to grow up to show up. You got to show up to grow up. I'm sorry. That's why I said it in a while. (laughs) But you got to show up to grow up. They, They were actually in community together. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, it says, let us consider how we may spur on one another towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as they see the day approaching. So they're, they're devoted. They're devoted to learning. They're devoted to, they're devoted to prayer. They're devoted to one another. But let me just say this. Is, is, when you read verse When you read verse 42, this implication that scripture has is that it was consistent. It was a consistent gathering. They met daily, y'all. We meet weekly. But they committed themselves to going and gathering together at the temple on one day, and then they would spend the week spending time together in their homes. And here's why I say that. Here's why it's so important. Because the newest study, like I know there's been all these studies and half the times, I, you know, people give statistics and ain't none of them true. But here's the real statistic, okay? Barna does a study every year and they asked Christians. Now, not Christians who just like say they're Christians or whatever. Like these are people who say, I have a church and I have a pastor. I have a church and I have a pastor. They know him by name, the real name, the right name. Not YouTube church, church. Like, I am a part of a church. I identify with that. My pastor knows my name. I know his. They go to church on average one time a month. And you can say amen because you're here. And don't nobody know <laughs> if you wasn't here last week or next week. But once a month, y'all, church is only an hour, hour and five minutes. So you're telling me the culture today who claims to be a Christian, and, and I'm not saying they're not, but they say, I have a church and I have a pastor goes to church 12 hours a year. I think we can do better than that. So here, here's, just, here's, here's the commitment I've made. And this is kind of a, a, something that I've committed to for my family. And I just want to challenge you with it. I don't want you to forsake the gathering. And, and so here's what I say. When I'm home, I'm here. Say that with me. Say, when I'm home, I'm here. I'm not talking about vacations. I'm not talking about your kids' soccer tournaments. I'm not talking about you got a week off of work and decided to go on some trip or whatever. That's all I'm talking about. But what I am saying is that when I'm home, I'm here. And this is no disrespect to anybody watching online. Like if you live and you don't live within the context of a church and you live in an area that doesn't have a healthy and growing church, then then watch online. That's amazing. But allow us to help you serve people the way Jesus serves people. Allow us to help you bring your friends to your home and watch it. But let me say this really gently. 
Now, I know I'm not talking to none of you because you're in the room right now. But I'm going to speak to your next week. Um, if you live five minutes down the road in your home, get out your PJs, get out from behind your laptop, and get to church. And listen, if you disagree with me, that's fine. Take it up with Jesus. When I'm home, I'm here. I'm committed to it. Listen, if it's, not, if it's not big enough for you to miss your work on Monday, it ain't big enough to skip church on Sunday. Like, I think sometimes I talk to people and they're like, oh, no, no, I see a cloud the size of a man's hand. It might rain. I'm not coming. Can you imagine if you called your boss and said it might rain today, so I'm not going to come to work? We don't call our boss and go, hey, there's a game on today. I can't be there. So if it, if it ain't big enough for you to miss work on Monday, why are you missing church on Sunday? What's your priority? Now, I'm not, listen, this is not a, a mean word. I'm not saying this condescending. I'm just telling you that they were committed to gathering daily. And the church we got today just gathers weekly. So when I'm home, I'm here. They were devoted to each other. They were devoted to learning. They were devoted to prayer. They devoted themselves to prayer. Jesus says that he wants his house to be a house of prayer. Why? Because when we work, we work. But when we pray, God works. There's power in prayer. James tells us that if you want to be healed, you confess your sins to one another so that you may be healed. That we get honest, and he says the prayer of a righteous man is effective and powerful. That's why we pray. And the transcripts of your prayers will become the script of your life. You cannot focus on God in prayer and focus on your preference at the same time. So here's what I tell people, and they're like, oh, well, I don't like that song. Have you prayed about that? Oh, yeah, I've prayed about it. Because <laughs> see, what happens when we make it about us, y'all, and this is going to sound really harsh, but I'm just going to tell you. Um, when we make church about us, when we make the gathering about us, instead of coming in and focusing on, on lifting up the name of Jesus, you're lifting up the name of self. And there's one person, or I should say angel, that lifted up his own self, was kicked out of heaven, and his name is Satan. I'm not calling you Satan, but what I am saying, <laughs> what I am saying is that when you, sense, when you center your life around yourself, you're believing the lie Satan believed, that you're greater than God. So I'm just telling you, listen, you got to be devoted. And so here's the commitment I want you to make. Say, I'll be, I'll be devoted, devoted to God. Here's the second thing we see. We say that they were not only, I'm not only telling you to be devoted, but I'm saying to be generous. To be generous. Uh-oh. We say this as one of our values, that generosity is our privilege. That's why we don't take up an offering. We invite you to give, because we ain't taking anything from you. We're inviting you to use what God has given you to be a blessing to someone else. Everything you have was not just for you, but it was meant for you to be a blessing to somebody else. And what you see in this scripture as you read verse 44, it says that they shared everything that they had, that no one had any needs, right? Like you see them consistently. It says all the believers met together in one place, shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money to those who are in need. What's he talking? We're called to be spiritual contributors, not just spiritual consumers, and if you're a part of this church and you call renovation home, I won't apologize for asking you to be generous. Now, we're not even talking about the tithe, 10%. God's minimum. <clears throat> Another sermon. 
We're talking about generosity. Generosity is not about an amount. Generosity is about a posture. And it says that they gave it with joy. And so here's the problem, I think, is many Americans don't feel rich, but we are. But many Americans feel like we're generous, but we're not. See, the truth is, is again, those same people who said they belong to a church, know the pastor, give less than 2% of their income every year. So 98% of everything you have is going to you, and 2% is going to God, who is your God. It hurts me. <laughs> but I've had to check my own heart and go, okay, God, if you're first, do I really put you first? See, generosity is the result of grace. Generosity is what happens when you know what God has done for you. You can't help but love people and be generous with what you have. So, so here's, here's a statement. I just want you to take this in. I want to challenge you with this. Is I'll give whatever I have. Say, I'll give whatever I have. That's your time. That's that passion inside of you. It's why there's a yellow card in your seat that invites you to be a part of the dream team. Because what they did and what they were known for was that when they gathered together, if anyone had a need, they met it. So let me translate that in today's language, right? Like, it's not just about money. It's also, they sold their homes, they sold their possessions. Like, if people had a need, they met it. If a kid needed to be watched so that their mom could spend some time in prayer, they watched the kid. They used the gifts inside of them and said, listen, I'll give whatever I have because everything I have isn't mine anyway. So I just want to encourage you to, to be generous, generous with what you have. And so they were devoted to being learners. They were devoted to Jesus. They were devoted to coming to church. They were, they were devoted to showing up consistently. They were devoted to generosity. They were devoted. And then what happens? It says that they worshiped together at the temple each day met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. This is the prayer I have for our church, that giving would not be a burden to you, serving would not be a burden to you, that this church wouldn't be boring, that it wouldn't just be a place we go through the motions, but this would be a place where we praise our God and we celebrate and we give everything we have with great joy and generosity. Can I get an amen? amen. This is the heart of our church. And it says, all the while praising God. They were devoted that when they're here, they're learning. When they're here, they're praying. When you're here, I'm going to encourage you. When you're here, be devoted. When you're here, learn. When you're here, pray. When you're here, give. When you're here, praise God. Praise him for what he's done. Praise him for who he's This is why it's not corporate karaoke. They came together and they worshiped God, enjoying the goodwill of all the people. Some, some versions say, in the favor of people. So that when non-believers were looking at their lives, they weren't going, this is a burden to you. I'm a burden to you. They were looking at them and going, wow, you love the Lord that much that you would give everything, that you would meet my needs. You don't even know my name. If you're here, I just want you to know, that's our church. You got a need? Let us know. If you're hurting financially and the bucket comes around, take some money out of it. I'm not playing. We're here to meet people's needs. That's why this church exists. We love people that much. Why? Because God loved us that much. 
And, and what I love so much is that you're never more like God than when you're generous with what you have. Because we have a God who gave everything he had to people who could give nothing back to him. So we're never more like God than when we're generous with everything we have. And so here's the last thing you see, and it says, and the Lord added to their fellowship, added to their number, added to the church daily those who were being saved. So don't only be devoted and be generous, but be a bringer. Somebody say, be a bringer. Turn to the person next to you and say, be a bringer. Let me just ask you, who are you bringing to church? Who are you bringing to church? Who will be in church next week because of you? Let's go deeper. Who would know Jesus because of you? Who would find community because of you? Who in your life is living without purpose, but now they're going to find purpose because of you? Who, who would be walking around questioning their calling, but because you brought them to a place where they could receive clarity, that now they can make a difference? Whose story would that be because of you? See, the reason the Lord added to their number daily was because they were bringing lost people into the house. And what God is saying is, you bring them, I'll save them. I can't save them. My words, my phrases, my cliches I can give you all day long, those don't have power. The power is in the gospel. The power is in the word of God. Only he can save. And so my commitment to you as your pastor is you bring them, I'll preach the word of God, and when the word of God is preached, they'll get saved. That's it. So be a bringer. Who do you know doesn't have a church home? Who do you know doesn't know Jesus? And if you don't know anybody that fits those descriptions, you may need to get out of your Christian bubble and start loving people the way Jesus loved people. Amen. Maybe you need some new friends to hang out with, not be influenced by, but be, to hang out with. Why? So that you can bring them to the place you know God's spirit is moving so that they can actually begin a relationship with Jesus. So he's saying, listen, they were devoted to this. Not just every now and then, daily. And, and the ask that I'm making is that, could we build the church that Jesus is building? What would happen in this city? What if this church was the only church in this city? That's the, that's the question I ask myself. How about this one? What if I am the only Christian in this city? The truth is, we're not the only church in this city, praise God. And I'm not the only Christian in this city, praise God. But what if you're the only Christian that any of your friends will listen to? What if this is the only church that they might come to because you come here with them? What would happen? I can tell you what would happen. And so can the other 60 people who've, been, who've given, went, went public in faith and baptism. So can the other hundreds of people who've given their life to Jesus. So can the people who serve on the dream team every single week. So can the people holding some of your kids right now. They would understand what it meant to follow Jesus and to find community and healing and a family. They would discover their purpose in life. And together we would make a difference in this world. That's what would happen. And so here's the, here's the faith statement I want to encourage you with. I'll do whatever it takes. Is that true about you? Can you say that really loud with some 
with some boldness and some faith in your lungs. Say, I'll do whatever it takes. One more time. I'll do whatever it takes. Anything short of sin to reach people with the message of Jesus is the mission of this church. I'll do whatever it takes. If I got, listen, if I got to buy them lunch, I'm going to buy them lunch. God will give me the money I need. If I got to pick them up, I'm going to pick them up. If we got to make room in this service so that people far from God that you're going to bring can come to know Jesus, we're going to make room. We're going to add a third service. We'll do a series and have Disney characters and bounce houses and food and and make this place look like a movie theater. Why? Because we're watering down the gospel? No, just because we're going to do whatever it takes to help people see Jesus. And so here's what I'm asking you. Like, if you belong to this church, listen, if you don't belong here, that's totally cool. You can. And I want you to be, and I want you to understand our vision and our heart behind this place. But if you call Renovation Church home, I'm asking you, like, God is asking you, his word is going, will you be devoted to showing up? Will you be devoted to being generous? Will you be devoted to doing whatever it takes so this world can know Jesus? Because what I know is that Jesus did whatever it took so that the world could know him. Anybody thankful for that truth? And so here's, here's just the challenge, right? You said, I'll, I'll be devoted to God. I'll give whatever I have and I'll do whatever it takes. And so for some of you, you are already on this team and you don't, you can tune me out for a second, but there's a yellow card in your seat. This was not a bait and switch. This is just an application from scripture. Some of you need to join the dream team and start serving because you're looking for community. But until you start serving, you probably won't find any. You're looking for purpose. You'll never find your purpose if you aren't using the gifts God's given you. You need to join a team. So one of the applications from today is, is if you're not on a dream team, I want to encourage you to get on a dream team. Take that yellow card right now and just write out. Here's the two areas that I'm passionate about. It's not a commitment, but we'll talk to you about what that means. So before you leave today, fill up that yellow card. Drop it in the buckets on your way out today. Drop it in the buckets as you leave. Take it to our Connect Center over here. Give it to somebody in an orange shirt, but don't leave and not do what God's called you to do. For others of you, here's the thing. Here's what I want to challenge you with. Right now, I want everybody, every single person, I want you to put, fill, get that Connect card that's in front of you right now. Grab a Connect card. Everybody put it in your hand. Wave it around like you just do care. Come on. Wave it in the air like you just do care. Get the white card, the white card, the white card. Give me that white card. Yeah, yeah. Here's what I want to challenge you with. Um, in the prayer request section, we did this the other night at Heart for the House. I have almost 400 cards in here. Some of you have already done this, but I'm going to ask you to do it again. In the prayer request, I want you to write down five people that you're going to bring to church. That you're going to do whatever it takes to get them to the place you know God is moving. Write them down, five people. Five people you're going to begin praying for as they prayed for each other. And go, God, these people don't know you, but I'm going to pray that they'll come to know you. And I'm going to do whatever it takes to make sure they do. If I got to open up my house and have a group at my house, I'm going to have a group at my house. If I'm going to do a Bible study, I'm going to do a Bible study. If I'm going to promise them lunch, I'm going to bring them to church. I'll do whatever it takes so that these five people know Jesus. Write them down. And what we're going to do as a staff and as a church is we're just going to start praying to see God do that. And I'm asking you to make the commitment to bring them and do whatever it takes so that we can see that happen too. 
So as you write those five names down, for some of you, as you fill out that yellow connect card, drop it in the bucket on the way out tonight, today, tonight, hello. I've been preaching a long time, y'all, sorry. And, uh, and that's what I wanna encourage you with. But hey, will you, will you stand with me as we transition uh, from really one season to the next? And uh, here's my last and final ask. Again, this is only a conversation I have twice a year. Come back next week and I'm gonna talk about whatever it takes, part two. Um, here's what I'm asking. We are starting three services next Sunday. Not, come on, yeah. You, come on, Lamont. I'm excited. Y'all, look at this room at 9 a.m. in the morning. It's not about filling a building. It's about filling heaven. That's all it's about. We can fill buildings. That's easy. I want to fill heaven. I want to make heaven crowded, don't you? So here, here's what I'm just going to ask you to do, whatever it takes. And here's what, here's what I know is it going to take. Is it's going to take some of you to sacrificially not show up at 8.30 that's more convenient and show up at 10 instead. You know why? Because the friends that you have that don't know Jesus ain't getting up at no 8.30. (laughs) Listen, if this room is, listen, if this room is half empty next week, but the 10 is overflowing and we got to put out chairs, praise the Lord. But let it be because you brought somebody with you. So listen, unless you have young kids and you just can't help it and you got to get here at 8.30, don't come to the 8.30. Come to the 10. And I'm gonna tell our 1045, come to the 1130. Why? Because those are the two services that people who don't know Jesus will probably come to. If you, listen, no no judgment. If you're like, I just can't do that. I can't make that work. Cool, come to the 830, that's fine. But but take take a little extra nap. Sleep in a little bit. Show up at the 10. Can we do that? Whatever it takes. And then, hey, listen, after eight weeks or so, I'll tell you because the 10 a.m. will be so crowded. I'll go, hey, all those people who sacrificially moved, I'm going to need you right now. I'm going to need you to go back to the 830. You're going to be like, praise God. It's awesome. Right? But like until then, let's, let's, let's let the church grow. Amen? All right. If you will, stretch your hand towards heaven. Right now, I want to give some of you the opportunity to make a decision to be devoted to Jesus. You've been church hurt. You've turned your back on God because of it. And today is the day. Now is the time. You're saying, God, I'm surrendering it all to you. I trust you. Thankful for your grace. I believe that what you did on the cross is enough for me. Today, I want to surrender my life to you. And church, will you just pray this prayer out loud for the benefit of those who are going to say yes today? Listen, if that's you, and right now you're going, hey, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want you to pray this out loud with us. Say, God, I love you. Today, I give you my life. I believe you died on the cross for me, that you rose from the grave so that I can be forgiven, so I can be set free, so that I can be a part of your family, of your church. Hey, and if um, you put your hands down, if that's you, and you said yes to Jesus just now for the first time, we've seen God do it months in a row. Right now, would you just lift up your hand and say, today I gave my life to the Lord. Today I said yes to Jesus. Throw your hand up high for me. You want to put something in your hand? Come on. We have a gift for you. We have a Bible. I want to connect, connect with you and put some things in your hand as you leave today. So God, we love you so much. We want to be a part of building your church. May we be devoted to you. God, may we be devoted to your house. May we be generous. And may this church do whatever it takes. In Jesus' mighty name. Everybody who believed is set. Amen. Hey, put your hands together for those who stepped to Jesus today. Thank you so much for listening to the message today. If it encouraged you in any way, we would love to hear about it. Send us an email to stories at renovation.church. And if you'd like to partner with us financially and help us continue 
to reach people all over the world, you can do that by going to our website, renovation.church/give. Have a blessed day.